Hey everybody, welcome back to Canoodle, the ultimate rom-com rewatch podcast. It's Colleen here, your host for this week, and I'm back with another classic rom-com pick. You've Got Mail. Oh, this movie has everything I want in a rom-com. A quirky romantic plot, bright zingy dialogue, and my favorite character, New York City. Watching it again really made me nostalgic for my early years in New York City and for independent bookshops. So be sure to stay and listen at the end of the show. I'm gonna come back and talk about how we can support our local bookstores. But in the meantime, don't cry shop girl, you've got mail. Enjoy. We need to find our light. Just a, just a moment, we have some technical difficulties here with her. Sorry. I'm trying to pull Lucy like, Yes, nothing happens. Angles on Zoom. Nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because you have to turn your ring light on. This, this doesn't just happen, guys. Oh, okay. There's a ring light involved. You guys also, talking about the ring light, we got a new ring light. You had a new ring light? This no. big. No, it's huge. You guys, I, got, I, I nearly had a heart attack when we got it. I was like, she yelled at me. <laughs> was that on purpose or was that a mishap? No, well, this little one was a mishap because I thought I was buying a big one and then it was little. So it's good for this, but it's not good for Intensati. No, Colleen was just like... Oh, because like if I step four feet back, it doesn't hit me anymore. So the whole point was to like light us up while we're teaching. This does not do that. The new one does. New I one love like it. Sunshine. I know, it really is like sunshine. It feels like a production studio. No, we have to be careful. Barbara, you have to be careful because the glasses, you can see the rings. Not right. No. No. Careful, Barbara. Careful. That's why in interviews, in television interviews, we always say, "Don't put your glasses on if you can." Yeah. Creepy. Ooh. (laughs) My God. Now, luckily, luckily, this is an audio medium only because because Barbara. Is having four eyes at this point. No, not Hold even on. four eyes. I have like googly eyes. Stay there, stay there, babes, just so we can, so our viewers can see what we're, what we're talking about. Let's go! 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 Let's we gotta get professional. We're gonna dial into the professional part of this podcast. Oh my god. Well, welcome to Canoodle. I'm Colleen. I'm Barbara. I'm Lucy. And I am Liv. This is Canoodle. Canoodle, canoodle, canoodle. That's our theme song. And uh, <laughs> it's gonna be different every week. And um, it's gonna be a contest for anybody who wants to write us a jingle. That's right, yes. <laughs> so yeah. how are you guys? What do you what did you guys do all week? Uh we are well. I actually um so a couple, a few weeks ago, it must be three now, um, I decided to actually let go of a business that I was building, which was a huge, huge, huge decision to actually just focus on the business that I'm that I have now, which is course and training production. And so my goal for the end of the month for for May, we're recording this on May 29th. Um, was to really get solid foundation, kind of like it was back to like the the roots of of just building a foundation of you know doing everything on time and being organized. And so I my goal was by the end of the month to really have some of the, my projects complete and some of them really get to the next stage. 
And so I was so happy that today at about 5 p.m., today's Friday, I literally closed my computer with everything that I put myself, my mind to, to do. And I am actually going into a long weekend. I decided that I'm going to take three days off next week. So I'm Ooh, actually going to nice. take a mini vacation, which is super needed. But I feel extremely accomplished and my week has been really, really, um, you know, really, really uh, great and also kind of tiring. And we were just commenting on the fact that it's Friday night, it's canoodle time, it's wine time, and we're excited about that. And she's laughing next week, but I completely destroyed her week by forcing her to do a seven-day juice feast with me. So she thinks she's going to have this relaxing week of like eating bonbons, but really she's just going to be drinking green juice for seven days. Um, So that's what we're up to. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm using it as a kickoff to an entire month of eating plant-based. And oh, cool. perhaps, ideally, hopefully, further than just a month. But committing to a month, 30 days of 100% plant-based and letting this kind of reset for that. And she's coming along for the ride for at least those seven days. Yeah. Well, you girls chef, have been, maybe even longer. <laughs> you have been busy since last week, deciding to do juice feasts and everything else. Yes. Oh, yes. What about you guys? Didi, what's happening with you? Oh, I, I'm celebrating today. Today is incredible. I had my mid-year review this morning with my boss. I had a really amazing year at work. I really worked my ass off and I've been feeling really good about it. But you never know, you know, going into these reviews, anything can happen, right? And I thought, what if I'm totally jaded? But uh, my boss confirms that my feeling was absolutely spot on and that Whoa. my exceeded rating was a no-brainer, uh, which made me very, very, very happy because, yeah, uh, yeah I'm very proud. Yeah. So Barbara, you exceeded expectations. I exceeded expectations. <laughs> Isn't that a great feeling? I love it. Yeah, yes. I love it. it we expect nothing else but you to exceed all those expectations. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> No, it's, it's really nice. It's really killing nice. it. Killing it as usual. Killing it. Killing it. And Colleen. Hi, Colleen. I had a great day because today was my last day at work. Woo! Amazing. Yes. I might be the only person on the planet who walks away from a from a very solid full-time paying job with benefits in the middle in the middle of the pandemic and it's like, yeah, I think I'm done. I think I'm gonna quit. <laughs> That speaks to your awesomeness. Yes. So nice. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take that awesome. But you have to say it was great because, first of all, it was such a hilariously busy week. And today was my last day and I was on the phone and on Zoom calls all day. And then at five o'clock, um, the call that I was on was running over. And I was like, this is hilarious. It is five o'clock on a Friday night of my last day at this job ever. And I finally said to my team, I was like, I was like, we're on Slack and I was like, I'm like, I think I'm going to just drop off because <laughs> I, don't work here any, I don't work here anymore and it's inappropriate. I, I think they're going to cut my email off like any second. <laughs> and they were like, go, go. And actually they had a week during the, during the pandemic for before the summer started, wow. we had every Friday afternoon, we had a big happy hour at work right. Friday afternoons. And now um, officially we have summer hours, which nobody keeps, of course, because it's been but so they're moving the social hour, but they decided to have one in my honor called Colleen's farewell. And, um, it was really cute. Like, like not everybody showed up, but like 20 people showed up and, um, you know, we had cocktails and they, you know, cause they know that I'm a storyteller. They were like, well, in your honor, we asked everybody to come prepared 
with like one crazy random thing that they found while they were doing like quarantine cleaning. Oh my God. Tell us a story about it. Cause we figured like, we our so story. Cool. So it was so great. Really fun. People were like finding the craziest stuff in their homes and like just holding up to the camera and telling fun stories about it. And of course I hadn't read, I hadn't read the instructions that were in the invite. So I did not prepare for this. <laughs> That's all right. You were the guest of honor. Yeah, I know you were the guest of honor. That's amazing, but also yay for for just taking the leap and you know and go for it. And really- I'm excited. I'm excited. So I'm I'm also I'm going to take a few weeks off. I think yeah. just to kind of decompress a little bit and then you know see where see where I go. See where 100%. I land. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll be here hopefully every Friday night with Noodle. At least that we know. <laughs> Yes, but I will, say, I will say one thing that I want to add. So I, I haven't prepared for the quarantine cleaning challenge on this story app, this story call. So I was looking around my room because I was like, I know that I've unearthed stuff in the last few weeks. And then I remember just this week, I actually found a box um, under my dresser of all of my old journals and um, cards and letters. And I found a, I found a whole stack of letters, actual letters, like with a stamp on it and everything from 1994 from my friend Carolyn, who was living in Manhattan at the time. I was still living in Pennsylvania. And we had a really robust letter writing correspondence. Wow. Like, like the letters would be like five and six pages long, oh, like handwritten letters. And, all, and it was amazing because you know, I was still living at home. I was working at my, my parents' bar. I was kind of, you know, in this stage of my life where I was really just itching to get up and out. She was living in the West Village, mm-hmm. kind of working in an office job where she, where, so, so, the, so her letterhead that she wrote me on is all like the back of like fax confirmations, which <laughs> I don't even know what fax machines are. Like fax machines were the thing that <laughs> like you literally like put paper in and a yeah, dial tone rang up and then paper came out somewhere else. And um and, and the backs of like menus that had been faxed to them and stuff. And she would write me all of her adventures uh, as a young student wow. in New York City. And I was just sitting at home reading them going like, oh, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to get to New York City. Aww. And two years, later, two years later, I was in New York. That's so cool, but also so great that you had this like documentation of her life somehow. Yeah. And- yeah. That's so amazing. Isn't that fun? So I'm actually, she's actually living in Italy right now. I'm sending them to her. Yes. Wow. When she hears this, she'll already have them. And they're, they're yes. such, such a time capsule. They're so great. And they're not safe. They're not safe for podcasts. I can't read you anything from them because they are amazing. They, they are, they are an HBO show. Let's put it They're on. an HBO show. God. On a bridge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> amazing. But that actually reminds us, I had mail. You've got mail. We've all got mail. We've got mail. That was a great. That was a great. That was a great bridge. I have to. I have to give that to you. That's great. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a professional. You sure are. All you are. Profesh. All right. Profesh. Great. Profesh. Well, you guys, I'm super excited. I. You've got mail. Was my pick this this week? As if I. You have ten pages of notes. I have. Yes, I do. You don't? Uh-huh. Where? Show me your notes. Everybody pulls your notes up. You rats. <laughs> Where are they? I made it up. It's fake. It just oh. happened to be in front of me. I up Instagram. So. <laughs> Some of us are taking this podcast seriously <laughs> and doing our term papers. 
on every movie. <laughs> and some of us are not. <laughs> we are taking it very seriously. I was 11, but I think they're hidden under someone's bed. Maybe someone will send them to me in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what's going to happen. Um, so, yes, I was very excited to, that, that you've got mail. Um, that I picked it, even though last week I was under the gun. I was like, I didn't pick a movie. And it was literally the first thing I thought. I was like, I'm just gonna say the first thing I think of. You've got mail. So let's just jump into it. What is the dating profile for You've Got Mail? And what is it? <laughs> I have so many notes that I can't find anything anymore. <laughs> so, we'll just waiting. All right, you guys. All right, fine. I get it. I have too many notes. Okay, here we go. So the dating, what's the dating profile for You've Got Mail? Well, You've Got Mail, 1998, directed by Nora Ephron, iconic, iconic New York City writer and director. Um, the movie was actually written by Delia Ephron and Nora Ephron, sisters, um, which is incredible, sister power. And of course, starring Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, and Greg Kinnear, among a host of other notable names that we will be touching on through the podcast. What's this movie about? Well, I'll tell you what it's about. Struggling boutique bookseller Kathleen Kelly hates Joe Fox, the owner of a corporate Fox Books chain store that just moved in across the street. When they meet online, however, they begin an intense and anonymous internet romance, oblivious of each other's true identity. Eventually, Joe learns that the enchanting woman he's involved with is actually his business rival. He must now struggle to reconcile his real-life dislike for her with the cyber love he's come to feel. Ooh, cyber love. You've got mail. What is going to happen? <laughs> for me, the meat cute for You've Got Mail, <clears throat> for You've Got Mail is... You know, it was 1998. I had been living in New York for three years, maybe just about three years. And I was completely in love with New York City. I was in that phase. I had gotten through that horrible first phase that everybody goes through of, you know, feeling like a, like a total fish out of water. I felt like I really hit my stride. And this movie came out and it was just like, you know, a love letter to New York City. And you know, that's been said before and lots of stuff written about this movie, but it's really true. And I lived on the Upper West Side mm -hmm. at the time and I had been living there for three years. So that whole neighborhood, every single scene, I was like, oh, that store, that restaurant, that movie theater, that's my neighborhood. Yay, yay, yay. It was like watching your, your best friend be in a movie, you know, like watching New York City be in a movie like this. So I really just loved it so, so much. And, um, I will be honest, when we watched it last night for the podcast, I decided I'm just going to watch it and not take any notes and just enjoy it. And yeah. then I watched it again to take notes. So I watched it twice last night. That's very sweet. I love it. You had a double date with, with the movie. Date with Meg and Tom. I love it. That's so, so, so Barbara, any, so, so any other first impressions? Barbara, what do you think? Oh, I loved it. I also, I have to say, I thought that I remembered the movie. I did not remember the movie at all. <laughs> and it was like, I, I, as if I saw it, I, as if I saw it for the first time, but it was, it was better than I had in mind. It was so great. Uh, to your point, it's, 
it's something special to to see a movie and be able to like I recognize this and I recognize that it's just like it it's it's so enthralling in a way and if that in itself like is, is, is so beautiful but then of course just the story is great the characters are amazing it's just everything is made with so much love and it's just it's just uh, like an, an all-star movie it's mm -hmm. really good sigh so great so yeah. great I Liv what do you think yeah, I completely second that. You know, like we, we all four of us actually lived in the Upper West Side. So I think that all four of us have, have that in common. And but here's what the funny thing is, last week, I had a day in which I just wanted to be in bed. And I just wanted to like, you know, just kind of like chill. And so I was like, Oh, I would love to just see a rom com. What? How about you've got mail? So I watched the movie. And then that night, we recorded the po our podcast and Colleen chose You've Got Mail, so I watched it twice in two weeks. So, <laughs> Lucy, what do you think? Well, I thought I'd seen this movie before, and I spent the first three-fourths of the movie wondering when they were going to meet on the Empire State Building and <laughs> meeting each other before that moment. And then I realized I'd seen Sleepless in Seattle and I had never seen this movie. <laughs> so it was a roller coaster for me. Uh, I loved it. Uh, it felt familiar in a very unfamiliar way since I had not actually seen it before. But uh, second, third, and fourth, all of those feelings about living in the Upper West Side um, and seeing places I recognized. But what was totally unrecognizable was their amazing apartments. My goodness, they're huge. That is unrelatable as a New Yorker. Even hers, and she's not supposed to be as rich as he is. I was like, I will move in there. I know, but I, you know, I have to say, I have, I have some notes about that, my friend. Okay, okay. okay. So let's get to the, let's get to the notes, Colleen. Ooh, so let's get, let's, let's, let's get it. It's time let's for the speed date. <laughs> um, all right, so, you know, I, I think what's great about this movie is we jump in and really the first, like, literally like 20 minutes is just us getting to know our heroes. Mm -hmm. Our heroes are Kathleen, Joe, and New York City. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, we are seeing them and we are almost immediately into the fact that they are already in an online relationship. Joe and Kathleen, or as we call them, NY152 and Shop Girl mm -hmm. are meeting a little bit covertly. Um, they're kind of, emailing each other and really both of them are, are they, they both have significant others and I guess they're not cheating on them, but they are, can't wait for them to leave for work so they can go and log on to their America Online accounts yes. and hear those three beautiful words, you've got mail. <laughs> Iconic for iconic for you because we did not have that right. Both Barbara and I are from Switzerland, so we did not we did not relate to the you've got mail. I mean, I didn't, but I definitely related to the sound of the internet dialing. You yeah. remember you had an AOL account? No, it, we didn't. Like there is no. But it's not that a matter. But it's still the same. It's exactly the same dial up, the waiting, the suspense, know, yeah. the yeah. see. Do I have like a little, like a little male symbol that shows like ups like totally, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Just the you've got mail. Yeah. AOL. Yeah, and I, and I thought it was really fun how the movie used uh, this, this back and forth of watching them in their real lives and then hearing them narrate their emails to each other mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of sometimes watching them type them. 
her and just how excited both of them were to get an email from the other. I also found it very fascinating how new everything was. Like you could tell that even though they were professionals and all that, this like whole idea of opening up a computer and like the whole anticipation for it was so, so new. And it was funny how her, um, so Kathleen's partner, boyfriend, whatever, whatever he was, I, I can't remember his name, Frank. Frank was extremely anti-technology. So it was also this kind of hush-hush. Like it was on the one hand so new and kind of like the excitement and on the other hand also very hush-hush is like to, oh, I, I, can't, I can't show too much about loving this technology actually for all these different reasons. So I found that very cute. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And what I really love too is, like, is just watching them kind of navigate through their neighborhood and again, not just not only just seeing all the familiar sites for us in New York and for the Upper West Siders, but also seeing how I think kind of subtly and skillfully Nora Ephron made it like that they've actually been passing each other in the street over and over again and not even realizing. Yeah, that was the best yeah. montage. Yeah, and, and do you, I, I, it's funny because I, I get that feeling too because you think to yourself, you know, if you live in the same neighborhood that you must see people that you know all the time and that's not really true. There's just so many people in New York City that I feel like when, I, when I've seen somebody I know in the wild, I remember, I, I could tell you now, yeah. I ran into Lindsay on the subway twice yeah. last year and I'll never forget it. It's like, <laughs> It's like life altering to run into somebody. Yeah. So I ran into Liv the other day and it was like a total like, oh my God, what are you doing here? This is so amazing. Like, yeah. it's, totally. it's Absolutely. It's so true. Yeah. And also through this whole front section of the, of the movie. So we, we meet their significant others. We see Frank, um, who is um, Kathleen's boyfriend. And we also see Patricia, who is Joe's girlfriend. And we can see that both of these couples are not unhappy. Mm -hmm. They're not miserable, but they're clearly not right for each other. You can right. see already that there's this initial tension of like, oh, those two aren't going to last. Thank mm -hmm. God Meg Ryan's around the corner. Right. Yeah. Now these people are going to finally find their real person. At the top yes. of the Empire State Building. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you better get to the top before they close it. <laughs> That was so cute. She actually said it out loud. She was like, but why do they keep meeting? I thought that they would only meet at the end and be a part of state, but like, I clearly did not pay attention to her because I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. Literally. I was so enthralled in the movie. You guys, a, a complete non sequitur. I, when I was watching that movie, um, uh, Million Dollar Baby, do you remember Million Dollar Baby? Oh, of course. Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, and um, Hilary Swank as the fighter. Yeah. Somebody had said to me, um, this is a movie that has a real twist of an ending. Have you guys seen it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and this, and if you have not seen this movie, Million Dollar Baby, to get a time machine and go back 15 years or however old it is and go watch it. And if you have, I'm going to spoil the ending for you. Um, so my friend said to me, this is a movie with a twist ending. And I went to go see it with my friend Joanna and we're sitting in the movie theater and I'm watching this movie and I'm watching the movie and I'm watching it. And I'm like, what is going on here? And, and the movie ends, right? And the credits are rolling. And I turned to my friend and I said to her, I don't get it. Was Morgan Freeman an angel? Was he dead the whole time? I don't understand. And she, I'm looking at her. She is sobbing, right? She's completely in a breakdown, emotionally uh -huh. absorbing this beautiful film. And I'm like, was Morgan Freeman an angel? And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, what was the twist? I thought, I thought the twist was like, somebody's dead the whole time, like, like, the <laughs> whatever. And she's like, the 
twist is that she dies. I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was, that was, un I didn't expect that. You're right. That was unexpected. <laughs> but I kept saying, but I'm really sure that Morgan Freeman was never in the room at the same time. She was like, what are you talking about? Talking about. Anyway, So Lucy, it happens to all of us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Show. Or at least to you. And yeah. also, but in in totally in your defense, Lucy, when you when you at the very, very, very beginning, when this whole computer world zooms in, the first thing you do see is the Empire State Building. So no surprise. We're, we're validating you, Lucy. <laughs> totally. It's fine. Um, the other thing I just wanted to mention in this whole big section is that um, we, we, we see them at their jobs. So we see Tom, uh, Joe, Joe Fox, you know, at his job, opening the bookstore, you know, talking to his family and all that stuff. And we see Kathleen at the bookshop. So we meet her coworkers. So these, these very colorful employees and coworkers, um, the, the, young, the, two, the two younger people who work at the store, which I don't know if you recognize those folks, but all three of them are pretty famous actors. We have Steve Zahn, who has been in tons of movies. Um, he actually was in That Thing You Do, which yeah. we saw recently, yeah. which is love. not his most recent film, by the way, but <laughs> the one that I was like, oh, that's the guy from That Thing You Do. Um, Heather Burns, who plays um, the, the young girl in the, in the movie whose name I've already forgotten, who plays the other shop girl, she was in the, the Sandy Bullock vehicle, Miss Congeniality, Oh, she? no way. She's the girl. She's the other contestant who wins. Oh, right. Now that you're saying, I can totally picture her. Yeah. It's a big kind of like a big role there. Right. And then, of course, I don't know if you uh, ladies know who this is, but Bertie, Bertie Conrad, who is like her kind of mentor and the accountant right. and everything, that's Jean Stapleton, super famous actress. She was in, she's really well known for uh, playing Edith in the sitcom All in the Family the famous Norman Lear sitcom, but she was a movie star, a TV star, super famous. And um, just like back then in the 90s, seeing her in a movie like that was a real treat because she was an iconic uh, figure. Oh, that's great. Yeah. The whole movie to me, but especially when everybody is in the shop for the first time, has such a yummy feeling of just family, friends, and just like the, the good life of, you know, of the neighborhood basically. Love it. And that's the beauty of the way this film is written, because all of the dialogue feels that way. It feels yeah. like, right. it really just feels like us talking. It doesn't feel like it's movie dialogue a lot yeah. of the time. And I mean, except of course it's like amped up because it's so witty, but I think that these women, Delia and Nora Ephron, were born and raised on the Upper West Side. So they were New Yorkers to the core. They, were, they grew up on those old fast talking movies. So that whole thing really comes through and it just, yeah. it does feel so like we know all those people. Yeah. Right, yeah, totally. totally. Yeah, amazing. So I think, you know, at this point, once we kind of get through the section where we're meeting all of their, all of their people and seeing their lives, um, it starts to become very clear and it starts to, to become clear to the characters that there is a problem. So, you know, Kathleen seems to be blissfully unaware that there is this big bookshop, a big chain bookstore opening just around the corner from her little shop, and that this could potentially, you know, have a huge problem in her business. She's smart and she's capable, but she's completely optimistic and she's completely just 
looks at the world with these with these rose colored glasses. And whereas you know Joe is a hard driving, it's not personal business person. You know he's kind of a shark. Right. So that's where I think it, where it really starts to become clear that not only uh oh do these two people kind of know each other in real life or they're about to know each other in real life, but they're so different mm -hmm. from each other in real life. And you know, that's gonna be the tension of the whole movie. What I thought was interesting though, we know that they are actually not that different from each other. Just in their profession, they are like, they are competitors, right? Mm -hmm. But we actually see that even though uh, Joe is a total businessman, personally, he is this really, really amazing guy. Like the way he interacts with his brother and his aunt and like just the way he is. I think that also, I find that so charming. There is not that like, we hate him. We yeah. root for him. I rooted for him in a way all along, even though I know like, oh no, shit's going down. Mm -hmm. Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, uh, there is this scene where um, where they're at the farmer's market or whatnot, and then at the very end, they're doing that game with the, oh. with the how to call it, with the hammer. And he, I, I just like, I turned to Lucio, I was like, can, can you not picture him as being like the best dad? Like that, he just looks like the best father any kid can have. Also, it really reminded me of Tom Hanks being such a skilled physical comedian. Mm. Um, and I don't know if, like Tom Hanks came on onto the world's radar back in the 80s. He was on a sitcom called Bosom Buddies, which was this really funny sitcom. And he and his, his comedy partner played these two guys who, um, who were living in New York City and they, had, they could not afford the rent. And back in those days, there were still these like women's only boarding houses like hotel like like small hotels that were only for women and they decided because it was the cheapest town that they dressed up as women <laughs> and they they pretended to be women to go and live in this women's only hotel because it was so much cheaper oh my and God. it was nice and the, like the ymca was crappy so they they went and it was nice because it was for women and um I don't know if it only lasted maybe one or two seasons and then he started to blow up as a film star so he he became Tom Hanks, right? Yeah. And he, the whole thing was this really broad physical comedy and that whole montage of like him sitting in the tiny yeah. cars oh, going around. So just so, so, so fantastic. Yeah, no, it really was. It was so fantastic and so like, you know, you said something on last week's podcast, Colleen, that you said that uh, you really just, in these movies, you just want to be them. And that's the, what I felt the whole movie. I was just like, I just want to be there with yeah, you guys and this yeah. with you. Like, just so good. I want to have a small business in peril. I know. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> it's romantic. It looks totally romantic. No, I love it. And then they meet. They and meet. They around a corner. They meet. Lucy, what did you think about their meet cute? The meeting in the shop. Um, I thought it was appropriate. I thought it was an appropriate place to meet. I, I, in my all of my confusion, I still, I missed something and I thought that was his kids and I thought they were playing a joke when they said that they were his on. I was a little mixed up, but I thought it showed them both in a really good light. Like she was at work where she's thriving and she's reading this, the books and she has all the answers for everyone and she's so sweet. And he's in what I thought was father mode, but was actually brother nephew mode. 
and was, you know, caring for these kids and was curious about what they were learning and was buying them books. So I thought that even though we know that they're going to have this huge conflict in between them, who, like we said before, they're meeting as the people that they actually are. They're not meeting mm -hmm. as the parts of their lives that will conflict. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, it's not until he sort of realizes who she is because he asks her who she is. Like he, he thinks he could think that she's just an employee there, you know, yeah. and he decides to withhold the information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, so he's sort of setting up this pattern that he's going to continue later that he knows something that she doesn't and he's going yeah. to, which kind of speaks to his whole thing of he's an operator. Like he's a business strategist yeah. and he, he's not above withholding information if he thinks it's going to be better for him later, you know, to kind of not kind of come clean on who he is. So in, in the next section of the movie, Fox books opens mm -hmm. and it is not looking great for the little shop around the corner. Um, one thing I forgot to mention earlier is that in the movie, um, Joe Fox's right-hand man and BFF is none other than famous comedian, Dave Chappelle. I know. Yes. So funny. That was amazing. <laughs> amazing to see Dave Chappelle in the as in the role of the BFF in a rom-com in the 90s. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> very serious and very businessy. Very businessy. <laughs> very businessy. Um, as a quick little aside, um, I, I read somewhere that um, Dave Chappelle was actually offered the role of Bubba Gump in Forrest Gump. Oh, no way. He and Tom Hanks were friends. And when Tom Hanks was making, making Forrest Gump, they offered it to him and he turned it down because he was like, mm, I'm a comedian. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then when they were making You've Got Mail, he was like, I, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take that role, sure. <laughs> <laughs> he, thought, he thought the right hand in a, in a, in a rom-com would be, would be far away if more appealing than Bubba Gump. Bubba Gump, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be true. That could be true. Um, so yeah, the, the bookstore opens. It's it's big. It's beautiful. It's packed. Um, it doesn't look great for for our girl. And again, like everybody in her life is a little bit worried. They're noticing the sales are down, and she is ever optimistic. She's hanging more twinkle lights. She is holding on to her eternal optimism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, what I what I love about that is that she just she she's optimistic but she's also so extremely grounded in the in in her why. Right? In business we talk a lot about the why and 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 that that is like she's so grounded as to why the shop around the corner is so important. You really you really are invested I feel like in her in the reason why this shop should be around not just because you like her and not just because that's kind of the right thing but because it's kind of like it makes you feel like yeah i mean of course i like barnes and nobles but come on who can compete with the familiarity of a shop like that so just, yeah we love it and, and i think it's, it's what's really fun in those moments too there are so many really great like little new york moments in that scene where they start wondering whether or not the shop is going to close and the one the the, the one character is like I'm gonna have to move to Brooklyn. Brooklyn, I know. <laughs> so, funny. so good, so good, and now everybody wants to move. I, I really love the moment where that author comes in and mm -hmm. is like, "Anything I can do for you." And of course, right. it's, we're gonna rallies and protests. And that great line that she says, "Maybe you can get that nut from the Observer, the one who's in love with this typewriter." <laughs> he would let, this is the kind of the sort of thing that he would be enraged about or something. Enraged about this. <laughs> Of course, as we know, is Kathleen's boyfriend, Frank. Exactly. 
right. He's in love with his typewriter. And also, but also at the same time, I was so disappointed when she then was the one doing her book reading at the other shop. I know. That was so sad. Crushed that one glimpse. How dare you? How dare you? How can you let her down? I know, I know. Now, and of course, um, the next thing, the next big thing that happens in the movie is that um, Kathleen and Frank go to a book party. And that is where she officially meets Joe Fox and his girlfriend, Patricia. And it is not cute. They meet, but it is not cute. No, no it's not a meet cute. It's just a meat. <laughs> lots of fish eggs. Not cute. That caviar <laughs> is a garnish. I know. <laughs> Which I don't quite understand. I would, I mean, you know, you you kind of root for her, but I would have totally gotten that caviar, ca caviar. Like I totally would have gotten it. So you just eat it with the egg situation. Oh, not I see. Not just the long. Oh, I so see. Not I see. for anyone else. Got Thank it. you, Lucy. You what, you raised right. What what symbolism for what Fox Books is doing <laughs> in the Upper West Side? Not leaving anything for all the little people, just taking it all for himself. Uh, that the caviar symbolizes. There I'm you sure. go. There you go. You're like the interpretation queen here. I see. Great. No, I love it. Um, and I think really he. What's what's so um, powerful about the scene is that you see her. She's really in her element in this in this book party. You know, like yep. she is not a shy violet. She knows everybody. She's comfortable there. They know her. Um, and even though she's a little, you know, unsure of herself sometimes. She, you can really see that she's not a kook. She right. is a real, like, legitimate professional in this industry. Yeah. And, um, my you know. Favorite, my favorite exchange of lines, just to what you were just saying right now, is when they say, um, when uh, when Joe says to her, you know, what do you do? What do you make? Like, 350,000, you know, book sales a year? And she's like, how do you know? And he goes, I'm in the book business. And she walks away and goes like, no. I'm business <laughs> that was so great it was like yes you are lady yes you are <laughs> yeah but oh. then you know his instincts come out and he eviscerates her he flattens her yeah with his with his quick wit and his quick like scathing like a takedown of her <laughs> that you can see just leaves her completely flummoxed right and completely devastated um, I just love that image of her holding the knife. Yes. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, holding a knife, just like, what am I doing? With? And, the, and the boyfriend coming over. And of course the boyfriend and the uh, Frank and Patricia are such obvious, obviously like not bad people, but just really oblivious, like yeah, total so lack of self-awareness. And yeah. they start like meeting cute and being like, oh my God, so you read my piece? And I can't yes. believe it. Oh. <laughs> He's so self-absorbed, it's nearly cute. <laughs> but what I love about that moment is that, they, is that Joe and Kathleen, in spite of themselves, have an almost moment of- yeah. They almost have like a bonding over of, the dislike of what's happening with their yeah. <laughs> uh, Like, can you, can you believe we're with these it's idiots? Like, yeah. No, I hope you. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. <You> know? <laughs> Totally, totally. Yeah. So cute. I know. Oh, and, and they're and they're actually really also really pleased for on their own behalf that each one of them is with such an idiot. Right. You know, yeah. Them both yeah, I like, think so too. Yeah. That's right. He's not great. Oh, she's not great. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 It's really true. fun. So um, but yeah, but of course, and I think this is what the movie does really well too, is that after all these different things that are happening, 
we come back to NY152 and Shop Girl, their online relationship and how they go and comfort each other. You know, but his instinct is to go to her and say, I did something tonight that really doesn't feel great. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did what I do. I'm not yeah. perfect. I did this thing. It felt awful when I did it. And right. having her be like, I wish I could have some of that because I had a thing tonight. I feel awful about it because I didn't eviscerate the person that yeah. I was talking to. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and it was sweet for them to, co- to both turn to each other about something. It was nearly like, you know, when you, when you have a fight within a couple and then go back and go like, kind of like try to work it out already and with the couple, but they didn't know that it was actually them. I thought it was very, it, it, it's so, I mean, just, just so well written, right? To the Afrin sisters, like yeah. so good. It's great. So then of course we see them trying to avoid each other in the neighborhood until they get to Zabar's oh, it's around <laughs> Thanksgiving. Oh my God, that was another moment of like home. That so feels like yeah. home to see the inside of Zabar's, yes. I know, and for, for those of you who have, who, who are either not New Yorkers and or not Upper West Siders. Zabar's is a is an iconic uh, food store that the people in there are even today famously uh, snotty and and it's the very high quality food, super high quality, and the people in the neighborhood love Zabar's. But it's I shopped in there a few times in the '90s, my, and I, I was too intimidated. I had to leave. Like it was it was too stressful yeah. to shop there. I used to go, I actually used to go many, many Sunday mornings and stand at the, at the, at the Gravlox stand to get Gravlox for our brunch. They have the best, best Gravlox that you've ever, ever have ever had in your life. And I was just so, just one of those things, like he's standing at the counter where he's getting the locks. And I did that too. It's like very, very sweet, like moment of, you know, and just no, like, she, she gets into trouble because she's not paying attention and she's in the cash only lane. Yep. And Joe comes and in a thing, like the best thing, the worst thing that ever happened to her is to get bailed out of jam. I him. That's right. Yeah. And not only is she not paying attention, she's trying to hide from him. That's why she's not paying attention. She was trying to like get out of his sight and like away from him and by doing that, that's exactly how she gets his attention. Yeah. 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 So the moral of that story is pay attention, ladies. Pay attention. Um, I don't know. Did you, did you ladies, um, you Grey's Anatomy aficionados? Yes. yes. Taurus. Behind the register. Love you know, I, made a, I made a note that everybody in this movie is either famous or about to be famous. Yes. It's so there true. There are so many people in this movie who, who were already kind of really famous, successful actors. And Sarah, Sarah Ramirez, is that her name? Yeah. yeah. Is that her character's name or is that her real name? Callie Torres is her character. Oh, yeah. okay. Calli- Dr. Calliope Torres. Calliope Th- oh. Torres, that's right. Calliope Torres plays Rose, the supermarket checker. Yeah. What a lovely name. What a lovely name. What a lovely name. <laughs> this guy's mouth. So charming. He's so charming in that scene. It's kind of like everybody's melting around him. Henry is melting, the guy in the lane that is yelling at her for like being in the cash lane. <laughs> so great. Such a great scene. So, you know, we, we continue to see Catherine's business failing. And at some point, she um, is talking to, so Shop Girl and NY152 are talking and he starts to give her advice. And we have the, the kind of well-known go to the mattresses segment, 
where he gives her a pep talk like you wouldn't believe right. <laughs> that's around this idea of go to the mattresses, go to the mattresses, which is a, a famous reference from a movie I've never seen. <gasps> never seen. I've never what? seen it either. That's our next rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> the Godfather. I love The Godfather. I really feel like I have seen it. But I think I saw it when I was too young, and I think I would—I might have not really understood it because I was too young. And then yeah. by the time I realized yeah. what it was, I didn't want to go back and see it again because I don't. Yeah. So it's not Sleepless in Seattle. So just is so you know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, but is there a proposal? Is there? <laughs> it starts with a wedding. It does. Okay, that's good. Sure. That's, that's, no, that's, 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 that's things rom-comish. He watched Bridesmaid, not a rom-com. <laughs> Exactly. We've shown we can bend the rules. We might just put yeah. it on our list. Sure, it's my week to choose, so get ready. <laughs> get ready for a rom-com of the other sort. Um, so, so what do you guys, what do we think of his advice? Well, I think that it reflects how he is in business. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's not personal. It's business. And that's how he switches from being a person to being an actual shark. But I think also he genuinely means that. Um, so I think that's not, not just his business persona, but it is, um, like it's, it's also his advice for her because he feels like that would be the right thing for her to do. So, so, so totally like I am giving you the best advice that I know is working, but also that I know is going to bring you success because yeah, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Sure. Well, she thinks the same way because she follows his advice. Yeah, and she does. the next several sequences are basically what I think of as Kathleen's war. Yeah. <laughs> she goes for it. She she leverages everything that she can. She has Frank write an article. She gets local news involved. She calls in all the favors. And it really looks like she is rallying. And she is kind of beating him at his own game, it seems, you know, yeah. she's <laughs> yeah. that, that great scene of, of, of uh, Joe and his, and, and his friend, I forget Dave Chappelle's character's name, at, at the, uh, I think it's Equinox, actually. I think it's Equinox. It might be New York Sports, or it's New York Sports, yeah. um, on the treadmills while they're watching, um, <laughs> watching the interviews. <laughs> So I said that, hate me. <laughs> yeah. I sell two books. <laughs> so, you know, um, the NY152 and Shop Girl decide to meet. When and where? When should we meet? And they decide to meet at Cafe Lalo. Which, mm -hmm. where is it? Oh, it's in the 80s, the 87th, maybe, or 88th between Columbus and Amsterdam. And it's great. It's still there. It's like a like a really um, well known little dessert kind of shop, like a little cafe. Yeah. And it's and it, I have to say, it always looks like that. There's twinkle lights everywhere. It's very yeah. romantic looking. It's very old school looking. And once that movie came out, it, I mean, forget about it. They were like, "We're not changing anything. It's gonna look like this." <laughs> 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 so good. Um. And yeah, so we so we see the whole build up, and we really mm -hmm. see how excited Joe is to to meet Shop Girl, even though he's really nervous, and he brings his friend with him. We see that she's so excited; she has the book and the rose, and it's just so like, ouch, like really, yeah, almost like Angelie. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I was. Yeah, you were having a strong reaction. I was. How? Well, I wasn't cringing quite then. I just kept saying over and over again. 
starting at this part is like, how could he do this to her? And then Liv just said like, wait, wait. <laughs> how can he know and she doesn't know and he's being such a tease and she's in such, every time the door opens, she thinks it's gonna be him. Like this poor woman in her misery. I know, I know. This really was the part that, you know, on rewatching this movie that I started to get like, oh no. Is this gonna, am I gonna hate this movie at the end? Am I gonna be really mad at him and not forgive him? Because he really was like, he, once again, for the second time, had information that she yeah. did not. Yeah. And yeah. he used it to yeah. his advantage. Yeah. And, and that to me was really difficult to watch. Yeah. It was really, he was really mean. It was just like, when you know that who she is in real life, like what, you know, in like, or yeah. not real life, but in her cyber life. But, how can you do this to her? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was hard to watch. But you know, they come back around from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, take little, they take a little break from each other. They do, and what I think is funny is that on rewatching, I, you feel like you when they're in the restaurant together, and like she actually says all the things to him yes. that he wanted to say, right. right? Like she is finally like harnessing that anger and like really just able to get her words out and just cut him cut him down the same way he that she cut he cut her down earlier mm -hmm. and you can see it having an impact on him but yet you can't feel sorry for him because this is how yeah. he this is how he rolls right? right and also the fact that he's 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 being he's torturing her that it is this really interesting moment of like i'm so glad that she's finding some power yeah in, at least in this relationship of between joe and kathleen um, even though she has no control, she's losing control over NY152 and Shop Girl, right? Yeah. And when, um, it's interesting because that I had kind of forgotten that when they leave that interaction, he hasn't decided to keep this going. Like, he's going to let it go. Yeah. Right. You know? yeah. And right. he's, that whole moment of him on the on the computer as, as NY152 trying to sort of, is he going to lie? Is he going to make something up? Why, yeah. did, why did he stand her up? Does he feel like he needs to? Maybe he's just not going to do anything. Maybe he's just going to blow it, like ghost her. And then in the end, he ends up writing to continue this relationship, which I think is really kind of, it's kind of a head scratcher a little bit because he's, he's, it's like, what is he going to do here? Like, what's his plan? You know? I wonder to what extent, um, if that was also in reaction that he really saw that she was being able to say what she wanted to say because mm -hmm. obviously he knows that she's having difficulties with this and 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 she was really um coming at him so i was wondering if if that may be like if he probably also wasn't used to be to be he probably wasn't used that people react to him this way because mm -hmm. he is that charmer usually yeah. and mm -hmm. In a way, it's interesting how the two characters, as long as they are, they end the words out in each other mm -hmm. when they are like in that relationship, right? And they really are. And it's, it's interesting to see. And it's like, how is this possible on their own? They're such lovable people. In their cyber relationship, they clearly are so fond of each other. But then when they see each other in person, they're like, Urgh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it, that's right. And I think that, you know, before he goes in or before he sends his friend Dave Chappelle, who we forget his screen name, 
in to see who it is he says like i if this woman is just a even just like as good looking as a mailbox i would be crazy not to marry her and i think that you know despite everything that happens the after and that you know he finally realizes that it's her i think he's just a man who is just feeling in love with someone and also kind of feeling that feeling of like i can't just let this go but not having a plan of what to do next just kind of like going with like this just feels right, so I'll just do it. So it's kind of like, again, this a little bit, this like um, dual part of like being this shark, but also being this very tender-hearted, just mm -hmm. man, right? Mm -hmm. So just interesting. Yeah, I, I wrote down in my notes, you know, that I was, because I was really questioning his motivation. Why, why did he go in? Was it morbid curiosity? Uh -huh. and, then, and then he was clearly taunting her. He was clearly yeah. making her uncomfortable, yeah. which, you know, was was maybe i think his his kind of ego coming out yeah. but what i thought was really his sort of turning point or the start of his turning point was when he hears her talk about ny152 yeah and how wonderful he is and she says he's completely unlike you yeah <laughs> yeah and you see that look in his face like okay like that's craziest thing I've ever heard because I'm the same person and now right. maybe she's the same person. Like it's, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. And again, he knows that, but she doesn't have, have any idea. Right. Um, so in that, in this next section, they, they kind of continue this on-island relationship and, and each of them ends up breaking off with their significant others, yep. kind of unrelated to the shop girl NY152 relationship directly. Indirectly, they both just realize that their relationships have run their course. Mm -hmm. And um, and they kind of talk about that online. And at the same time, Kathleen is ending her uh, romantic relationship with Frank. She also is officially closing the shop. Mm -hmm. Things are not looking good for no, Kathleen. <laughs> very sad moment to see the shop so empty. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think there's just a lot of there's a lot of really great stuff in that section. You know, the the the, the being stuck on the elevator is great. Yeah, <laughs> The, the moving onto the boat is is really yeah. fun. both him and his father yeah <laughs> I mean like just that whole like this yeah. this thing of, of them going back and forth um you know it's very sad seeing Kathleen close the shop and yeah. kind of seeing that whole thing come to an end um and uh what I think is is great is that at some point um during this whole section Joe's father also breaks up with his partner and moves on to his boat, which is next door to Joe's boat. So That's right. Fox two and Fox three, and they have that kind of father son, um, really dysfunctional bonding moment over, you know, how many nannies, yeah. how many times that the father has slept with Joe's nannies. And um, <laughs> at some point, you know, the father makes some kind of a joke, oh, I'll just meet somebody new. and. Yeah. Like, oh, that's snap. Just find the one single person who fills your heart with joy. Right. And then the father goes, have I ever been like that with somebody ever? And you see it on Joe's face immediately. Yeah. But he knows exactly who, who well, fills him with joy. For him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he, at that point, makes a new plan. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, again, this is where it's so interesting. Like you have to just, for me, I had to just let myself really sink into the movie and not try not to judge it too much on these merits because yes. he again is a complete, he's a master manipulator. Yeah, totally. 
he's completely gaslighting Kathleen and, and manipulating every situation because he is trying to buy himself time so that he can repair the relationship between Joe and Kathleen in real life and also maybe poke some holes in the NY152 shop girl romance so that she can fall in love with him in real life versus the fantasy of the online life. Yes. Yeah. Which is masterful, I have to say. But it's at the same time. (laughs) But But those moments are also so great because then we go back to a little bit what we had you know, it kind of feels like we started like that, then we had this middle part, which was Kathleen's war, and now we're going back to these loving moments of New York City, of where they bump each other in the, in like, on purpose now, in the neighborhood, and they go for walks, and they, you know, they experience real New York life together, mm-hmm. in, you know, in the neighborhood that they are both in, they, they're both in the same neighborhood, they live there, they've been, you know, they've been there for years, and now they're experiencing it together. And it's just like we fall in love with them and they, they fall in love with each other, but we fall in love with them and with New York all over again, I feel like. It's just, and the spring is coming, like it's getting a little warmer. So it's just so, so beautiful. And the, the scene of, of him actually going with the flowers to her apartment. And, mm. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and the whole time that he's standing in her apartment and, and forcing her, kind of forcing her to listen to him and to be with him, she's just wearing her freaking coat <laughs> for some reason. Why is she wearing that coat? To cover her PJ. I know, but it's just... Coat over pajamas is a classic move. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that has been done in my family for years. <laughs> right. It's great. It's just so great. And then she ends up going to bed with it. No, I just love it all. I love it. <laughs> I did that. I actually had, wore a coat over my pajamas right before the pandemic started. I went on a business trip and I, I had like a weird moment where I wasn't feeling well, which later I thought was COVID-19, which wasn't. But in retrospect, I was like, did I have COVID for one day? No, I didn't. Um, it was just my uh, hypochondriacism. Um, but I was in a hotel. I was on a business trip and I really wanted some food and they didn't have room service but they were like you can come and pick it up you can order from the restaurant and come pick it up and I was like okay and I literally put my like winter coat over my pajamas yes and oh like, you pulled the Kathleen I, didn't you? oh I've gone to the bodega like that before when I lived on my own <laughs> notice it looks like sweatpants I love it so it's, great. it's athleisure it's yeah athleisure, that's right get away so with great. that in the winter so great so great um, I also wanted to say that I love the music in this movie and there's a oh. lot of like this, um, Harry Nissen music is so great. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of songs by him and there's also a bunch of songs that I think are, uh, I think the vocalist is Rufus Wainwright, which is so mm-hmm. great. Um, so yeah, like, so they, like you said, they're, they're doing the, this sort of, it's not really a montage, but it's this whole sequence. Yeah, which, no, uh-huh. what, on my second watching, I was curious to check time. Right at the time when he decides that he's going to sort of romance her, this is like 10 minutes to the end of the movie. There's yeah. like maybe 10 or 12 minutes left of the, of the movie. Yeah. It's like, in my mind, that was all, that was the entire movie. Was <laughs> yeah. And really, it was the last 10 minutes. Yeah. So great. Um, Interesting fun fact or mm-hmm. trivia they meet at Riverside Park at 1.52 minutes into the movie. No way! That's a great piece of trivia. I love that. Colleen is not convinced. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand what it means. What is it? NYC one by two. Oh! <laughs> Hello. Yes. 
Hello. Oh, that is good. That's good. That is good. Ooh, Nora. So good. Nora Ephron with the. I know. I yes. love it. Yep. Uh, that's really great. That's really great. I just think that that's also sweet. And the, the moment in which they, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but the moment in which they stand on the street and he's basically proclaiming his love for her. I mean, oh. I mean, how amazing. Oh. Sweet and touching and oh. I know. And I, and I really like how they're, they're on the same page. You can tell they're totally on the same page. Oh. He is not on a limb out there. Yeah. He feels it too, but she doesn't know what to do, doesn't know if she can let go right. of NY152 because what right. he's the guy, right? Yeah, like, exactly. who knows? Like, yes. is it the guy, is, is it the IRL guy in front of you or is it the fantasy online? Yeah. Yeah. And that's so relatable <laughs> to this day, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought like how beautiful it was that he really wanted to make sure that when they meet for the second time that this is there is not going to be any surprise and at least even if i i thought also that he wanted to make sure that for once he was being honest and he was transparent and he was sharing his feelings in case if for every reason like she at the end would reject him or whatever but at least she would know how he truly feels about her so mm -hmm. i really like that yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely so, so in the end they meet at the park and to no one's surprise uh he comes over the ridge with the big dog and it's him and it's her and they immediately just decide that they are in love and they are in this beautiful riverside park with the blooms and the end <laughs> <laughs> It's so fast and it's so like, it, but, but you actually, you know, you're right. It's kind of like, it's the tail end of the movie, but that it kind of felt like the whole movie. <laughs> it just feels like warm chicken noodle soup, this movie to me. Like, it's just so nice and sweet and, and just comforting. And I could just, I honestly, I think I could watch it like 10 more times and just feel like so enveloped in this love. Yeah. I love it. You know, one thing I, I kind of liked um, is that, you know, after Kathleen's shop closes, you know, we, we have that really beautiful moment where she goes and she visits Fox Books. Yes. want to see what's in there. And there's, that's very poignant. But in the end, like when spring comes again, she's okay. She's yeah. actually, re she's resilient and she's writing and she has a whole new thing going on. So, you know, she's not so devastated that she can't live. You know, she's not so devastated that she can't get out of bed. You know, and she she turns it around and really like finds this new sense of purpose. Yeah. And um, I kind of think that she gives NY152 a little bit too much credit. And <laughs> he's the one who really pushed me to write. No, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but I get that's the movie. That's her idealistic like view of this online person that she's created in her yeah. mind and that yeah. has been created for her. But absolutely. So that's yeah. the movie. Um, I have a couple little sort of behind the scenes trivia yeah, things that are fun. Um, the voice of America Online, the welcome, you've got mail, yeah. is actually a guy called Elwood Edwards. Uh -huh. And at the time when CompuServe was purchasing, CompuServe? Well, whatever it was, uh, was purchasing America Online and creating the company that would become America Online, 
they wanted to have a friendly voice. And Elwood Edwards was the husband of their customer service lead <laughs> and had been doing like voiceovers, just amateur voiceovers. And she had him record it at home. And that's what they did. And he is now, he's now an Uber driver in Ohio. Oh, wow. <laughs> weird. That's so weird. Oh my God. So every time that someone gets in that Uber, you've gone mad. Yes, yes. Um, oh, another another uh, sort of soon to be famous person who makes a cameo in the movie is Chris Messina. He is the, he plays Mindy, uh, Mindy Lahiri's love interest on the Mindy Kaling show, The Mindy Project. Oh, where was he? He was the guy in the bookshop who didn't know what the shoe books were. Oh my God. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. And he's half his size. He is so skinny. Like he's in the Mindy Project, he's like a kind of buff, you know, gym guy. And in this movie, he looks like he weighs 14 pounds. Looking wet. Um, uh, what's interesting is that they had a, a, one of the production assistants on the movie had to teach Nora Ephron and Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan how to use their computers what America Online was, how to, because they actually did, I guess they did the filming, they had to have them typing and all this stuff. And the person who was, um, the person who did that, his name is Kevin Feig, and he is the man responsible for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Wow. Whoa. Bizarre. Yes. Meg Ryan actually got her first computer during the filming. Yeah, got, she, got a, she got a MacBook, and, and this guy so taught her how to use their, their computers. And um, he said that, um, one of his biggest joys was after giving Meg Ryan almost three days worth of lessons, <laughs> he was thrilled when she said hello to him on set. Wow. I thought she remembered my name. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> so and cute. look at him now. <laughs> that's so sweet. Wow, three days. Whoa, okay. So she got a full on overview lesson on what in depth lesson actually was. Yeah. And then the one other little thing we start, we talked about it a little bit earlier was the apartments. Yes. And what I wanted to say was that um, the one thing I really appreciated about this movie is how realistic everything is. And I too started to go like, who has apartments like this? And then I remembered that, um, that first of all, Kathleen, while she was a kind of a, a, a bookshop owner, she had probably grown up in that apartment. Right. Yeah. Right. Because her mom, yeah. Her mother, her mother owned the bookshop before her. Yeah. So, and you know, I don't know, a lot of times, especially in the, even in the nineties, a lot of those apartments were already subdivided. Right. Those old apartments looked like that. Like I had friends who lived up in um, Washington Heights in the nineties, which was a neighborhood that, that where the buildings had not subdivided the apartments and the yeah. apartments were gigantic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like really like probably, you know, 1,500 square feet yeah. for, for you know, one or two bedrooms. Wow. What, what, what that reminds me of, what you're just saying is also, um, if, you, if you watch the show, the Marvelous Mrs. Meisel, mm. um, their apartments, they, I mean, that's based in the 50s, so none of them were subdivided, and they are humongous. And that apartment. is the same neighborhood that right, exactly. lives in. That's exactly. where we're and that's the same neighborhood that Birdie lives in. Yeah, you know, Birdie yeah. has the big lunch where they discover that she's she was in love with the general generalissimo Franco. And that apartment looks like I don't know. It, it's so huge, you can't even. Yeah, it's amazing. Lucy, how like thinking it was sleeping sleepless in Seattle? What did you think after all? I enjoyed it regardless. I really I saw sleepless in Seattle apparently, 
uh, a very long time ago. I rented it in VHS from Video Horizons mm. in Winchester, Massachusetts, uh, many, many, many years ago. So I just figured I forgot the plot. <laughs> I've never seen it. That is beautiful. All right. Well, let's let's do it. let's rate the date. Okay, yeah. ladies, on a scale of from ghost it to get it, where does you've got mail fall for you? Babs, you go first. Oh, honeymoon. honeymoon. Oh, yeah. It's a honeymoon. Okay, nice. I love that. Lucy, what do you think? Well, for me, this is like the charming older gentleman because mm -hmm. I'm notoriously a lover of extremely modern rom-coms, so I was ready to be a little bored by it because it was a little older than I would prefer, but I was charmed by it. I thought it was so sweet. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> right. I love it. Um, oh, I'm not good with names or titles or anything, yes. but I think that, uh, yes, I am. Today I will be. Um, chicken noodle soup, you guys. <laughs> no. <laughs> I really do feel like it's like this, it's the, the warm and fuzzy best friend for me. That like, it's just like, I really could watch this movie again and again and again and just be so like, just so happy to just be in its company. Yeah. Well, for me, from, from ghosted to get it, mine is beyond get it. Mine is, yeah. we are the old couple celebrating our 60th wedding anniversary in the nursing yeah. home. Oh. <laughs> we are, we are very, very long-term, eternal, eternally married. Love that. Love it. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Love it. Yay. Love it. Love it. Yay. Um, I think so, I, it's funny, you know, in this movie, I, we did see a lot of the, um, the typical rom-com conventions. I think we saw like spunky oldsters. We saw, you know, wise BFFs. We saw, um, whimsical jobs, whimsical jobs. Yes. And we did see, we did not see Santa Claus, but we saw a lot of Christmas. So yeah, I feel like yeah. that could be True. a thing. There was musical numbers in the middle there. Like yeah. there's the the girl singing for the song from Annie, my favorite That's musical. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and plus that weird scene with them at the piano playing. Oh yeah. That funny like <laughs> kind of yeah. song in the round, which is oh, like, yeah. that was so funny. And I I had actually never heard that song before I saw the movie, and I've never heard it since. I don't know where that song no. came. From. It sounded okay. familiar though somehow. <laughs> Probably because you saw the movie a week ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was You've Got Mail, I think. Woohoo! Great pick. Great, so great pick. Such so, a Lucy, what yeah. is our next movie? Well, don't get too excited, but the poetic choice would obviously be Sleepless in Seattle, but not going there because I am a lover of like the juicy, vibrant, feast for the eyes in all the senses movie. And so we are going straight into Crazy Rich Asians. I knew it! Yes! Oh my God, that's such a good thing. I knew Ooh, I'm excited. Have you ever seen it? Yes. Yes. Great, I've only okay. seen it once. So, and it was right when it came out. So this will be such a fun rewatch. So good, okay, Amazing. great. That'll be a super fun. Oh, I can't wait. Well, thank you so much, everybody. This was Canoodle, I'm Colleen. Barbara. That's a wrap for You've Got Mail and Canoodle for this week. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I wish I could go to the shop around the corner right now. Unfortunately, it's closed and fictional. 
but there are so many wonderful local independent bookstores to support right now. So we're going to be highlighting them on our Instagram at Canoodle Podcast all this week. You can also tag us and your favorite bookstores and we'll share them on our page. You can contact us on Instagram or at canoodlepodcast.com. We love love letters. And one last thing, if you're enjoying the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us and we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Canoodle you later. Canoodle you later.